So today I'm joined by Jaskanwal Singh and I'll pass it over to you to introduce yourself and also discuss your Sikhi journey. So first uh, I just want to say Wai Gajika Khalsa, Wai Gajika Fateh. Um, yeah, um, thank you for having me. I'm grateful to be here um, and speak to you, especially on topics, you know, related to Sikhi, um, which I love. Um, and the non-Sikhi part of my journey, it's actually interesting because so much of that, um, like many people, ties in with that Sikhi journey because of the lessons I learned, the experiences I went through, and just the thirst that was built up for a deeper kind of a need or a longing for a search um, within a fulfillment of uh, the realization of you know, what my purpose in life is. And, and just the, to kind of really contemplate and wonder what existence really means for me. So a lot of that tied in with that. And and just to backtrack, when I was a kid, I, you know, I had a turban um, and I, I didn't grow up knowing anything about the history, the Ithiyas of Sikhi, any Sakis, um, um, and just even knowing, you know, why I wore a turban, what case meant for me, what it meant for Sikhi. Um, and a lot of that was because my parents, they, they were suffering, you know, from the trauma of the genocides and, and the pain back home and, and that kind of maybe um, scared them off of, of teaching me about Sikhi and maybe just made them more assimilate into you know Western society here in Canada and my dad for example when he came here he was a, a Sardar and he cut his hair because of uh, racial profiling um, being abused by uh, by cops um, being attacked and and he felt he I think he felt he had to conform to, to get a job and to take care of the family. And so, yeah, I, I didn't grow up um, with a strong foundation for Sikhi. And that made, uh, that made it very easy for other people to point out my turban or make fun of me for it. And even though I would fight back if, if that was ever the case against anyone who, who tried to, you know, um, like touch my turban or, or fight me, and, and bully me, it still left a lasting impression because I wasn't able to mentally or intellectually, even emotionally process why I was being teased for something so prominent about me. And it was something I actually enjoyed, you know, my mom tying my hair, um, tying my turban and combing my hair and, and taking care of uh, that for me. But I didn't, even, you know, I didn't ask her myself uh, what the importance of it was. Um, in, in relation to Sikhi, all I would ask was, you know, why I had to keep my hair when I was getting teased. And she would say the, the kind of general things that many people say to their kids when they're younger, which is, you know, for Babaji, you know, for God, just, you have to keep your hair. And it stopped making sense to me and the intellectual kind of insecurity of not being able to explain myself to those kids um, just left me, um, left me in a state where I, I just wanted to cut my hair and, and just fit in. So. So that ties in with, with who I was because uh, as a kid um, and even still today, the things I, I enjoyed most um, and a bit more about myself relates to writing, reading. Um, I love poetry. I love philosophy. Um, these are the things that I gravitated towards as a kid. But when I cut my hair, um, I conform to more of the hyper-masculine um, identities and, and people around me, my older brother, my older cousins, the older guys in that neighborhood we grew up in, which was 
um, a, a neighborhood filled with crime, filled with violence, filled with you know drinking, drugs, police encounters, um, a lot of gang culture. And as I cut my hair and gained this new kind of identity, um, also because my name being mispronounced a lot, from um, just when Wally was mispronounced a lot, and I, I changed that name to Jesse as I cut my hair as well. So this new identity just meant that I, I strayed away from many of the things that made me happy and made me me, and you know. Um, found my way into the same types of things that the older generations around me found their way in because of the alcoholism and abuse that many of the Punjabi fathers in, in the neighborhood inflicted upon their families, their children, as a way for them to maybe uh, maybe take their mind off, you know, everything that happened back home and the intergenerational trauma they suffered through. So, so that just led to a whirlwind, um, you know, drinking, fights, um, drugs, and, and police encounters, and all, all those sorts of things that for 18, 19 years or so, I was totally away from Sikhi, would only go to the Gurdwara um, if there was a wedding, or maybe, you know, um, another Kitan here and there, or, um, or New Year's a few times. Um, and yeah, um, that, uh, that led me to eventually two years ago, um, being really unfulfilled and uh, somehow, you know, with Gerpa, um, we'll touch on this later perhaps, uh, I, I found my way to, to Sikhi. And, uh, and so that, that's a bit of where I come from. Um, I went to York University, I took undergrad, um, I took criminology, sorry, for my undergrad program. I went to law school in Ottawa as well. I'm currently studying for my bar exams. Um, I've worked at a few law firms I've worked with a few nonprofit organizations. I work with youth as well um, for mental health awareness, workshops related to substance abuse. I've written a book um, and I published that about a year and a half ago. Um, and so those are the things that I'm currently working on and have worked on to this point. I think it's so important and actually really interesting that you mentioned the bullying because in my last podcast I discussed bullying following an incident that happened here in the UK where a young sick boy was bullied um, and had his butt pulled off and his gas was pulled and we spoke about this conversation of how when a kid would ask their parents why they keep their gas they were never really given answers as to the actual reason as to why they kept their gas and, and you saying that is also like justified my discussion from last week where I was saying that parents should start to try and educate their child a lot more about why we keep our gas and why it's so important because I feel like that would help a lot of young sings and young gores when they're on this journey which isn't easy uh, because of you know things that happen in school getting bullied obviously it's different and a lot of kids don't like different they're not used to different so when they see different their reaction uh, isn't always the greatest and also touching on your book which I will definitely want to get my hands on one day because uh, I've seen pages of your book that you've posted on Instagram and it's called Feminism Saved My Life and it may just save the world and this like very much links to one of the topics for today which is poetry um, and you write a lot of poetry so how did you start writing poetry and what do you normally express throughout your poetry and in your writing so as a kid my favorite thing to do um in school wise and even after school you know was write i loved writing stories i loved writing essays i loved writing just you know my thoughts journaling and as i grew older i loved writing uh, rap 
freestyling poetry, but I kept a lot of that hidden, you could say. Um, you know, it's common for guys uh, to withhold a lot of their emotions, suppress a lot of things. And I kind of felt as if the, the way I grew up was such that, you know, you didn't express yourself, uh, whether it's through writing, whether it's through, you know, even just wanting someone to listen to you, be there for you. That wasn't really a thing, you know, everyone was just uh, covering up their wounds or covering up what they were going through by drinking, by partying, by, you know, going clubbing, by chasing women, by chasing external validation or just escapism. And, and so I kept a lot of that just, you know, just to myself and kind of tied in with that masculine identity. And I got away from it as well for a long time when I started uh, going to school um, for for criminology and law school because I was just consumed by you know that that rat race mentality mm-hmm. of uh, of just pursuing the prestigious kind of you know legal position and and I got away from that creative creativity um, and and I slowly found my way back to that um, based in part of what you mentioned the book that I published which was feminism saved my life and it made you save the world because I feel that so much of my ego and my identity up until that point was consumed by, you know, that masculine upbringing I grew up around. And, and feminism, you know, it's, it's not well received by many people, especially men, but really what it means is, is to break down the ways in which gender identities have been created for us, whether through media, whether through our upbringing, through families, through friends, through schools, and just really understand that you know, there's much more to us um, than these identities. And to truly create an equal society, we have to be aware of how we've been programmed as, you know, as men and women and as ma- masculine and feminine identities and how to create a more balanced approach to that. So for me, that helped me really understand that many of the things that I was really you know, passionate about, um, it was okay for me to embrace that. And it was silly you know, to hide so much of who I was and to, and to suppress that just based on this conditioning and based on the fact that, you know, I had started drinking when I was 15 years old and binging um, up until the age of 28 or so. So 13, 14 years of, of binging every weekend, maybe, you know, maybe I'd stop for a weekend or two, but it was a pretty consistent, um, you know, Friday, Saturday, banquet hall parties, wedding weeks, which, you know, in in our community lasts the whole week. So it was a lot. And that didn't allow for me to take time to myself and just process things that I had gone through. And all of these things just made me realize as I was writing my thoughts, which ended up, you know, into that book, that um, during this process of introspection and reflection, that so much of what I wanted to express and share with the world and so much of who I was, was being hidden. And, and that kind of just came about through writing. So, so it helped me embrace more of that, you know, inner child within me that, that I had uh, strayed away from. And that helped me get back to my roots, helped me uh, understand that writing was really important for me to just make sense of things um, as a way for me to express myself, as a way for me to just put into words um, so many of the swirling, you know, thoughts that I have or feelings that I have. And... And now I just write about anything I feel passionate about. I feel about, I write about things if I share with them, you know, if I share them, write about things that 
may help people. Um, when people reach out to me and, and tell me that what I have to say or what I shared with them really helped, um, I try to just do more of that. Anything I can do where my voice just resonates with anyone. That idea of breaking away from toxic masculinity because nowadays, um, I feel like culturally as well, a lot of brown male kids cannot go to their parents with certain issues because you will get the response, you know, bonda banja, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, even in general, people will go like be a man about it. And I think that's why I was so intrigued by your book and, and the title of your book, because it just brings everyone to the same level which is something that the world has really struggled with you know for years and years now so I've actually read a few of your poems uh, that you've posted and there was one that I actually reposted and it was about Maya and you discuss Maya in a very metaphorical sense um, and for anyone that doesn't know Maya is uh, any type of illusion or doubt that can essentially drive you away from Sikki um, and drive you away from the truth and you describe Maya as something that was trying to sink your boat um I think you said trying to sink your boat in storms and I think right now everyone is kind of facing Maya and what really interested me with that poem was when you were saying that Maya works so tirelessly to try and break us down um and it really brings about how effortless uh Sikhi is and how easy it is to gain that connection with Waiguru uh, with Guru Sahib um, as opposed to obviously being um, indulged in this world of Maya where you know there is drug abuse and alcoholism and, and all of these things and what really interests me about um, poetry and, and connecting that more to Sikhi is how the Guru Granth Sahib Ji itself is written. It's written using many literary methods in the sense of when you read Gurbani, it will roll off your tongue and it obviously takes talent to write like that. No one be able to write the way that the Guru Granth Sahib Ji is written, but it really just shows that poetry or anything that rolls off your tongue as such will really resonate and it really stays with people. So I like the fact that you take a lot of topics and you use that to write about and you discuss uh, topics that people need to know about a lot more now. And going back to what you said about creativity as well, I feel like Siki is very creative in the sense of writing and in the sense of uh, Girdin as well. You know, uh, the use of instruments uh, in itself is very creative. So that's probably one thing that I love about Siki the most it is that uh, ability to, to be creative. But how, how would you link uh, Siki and your poetry? Uh, was there any while you were writing poetry because I know you've written a lot of poetry about Sikhi as well but was there anything that really linked the two together for you? I feel that as I started to find my voice and as I started to embrace uh, you know more of that writer side to me um, especially within the last few years poetry helped me make sense of my feelings and my emotions and and my thoughts and it helped me really heal right right through a lot of the things that I was uh, I was putting off by way of alcoholism or by way of just the company I was around by way of relationships I was getting myself entangled into um, that ended up being toxic and a lot of that was because of the pitfalls that Siki you know warns us about whether it's attachment whether it's um, whether it's just just voids right because with attachment, um, 
I feel like the more attached you are to something, it, it can really show you that there's a void within because uh, if, if we're empty or if we're suffering from within, it's easier for us to get more attached to something to give us that sense of meaning to our lives. And once I started seeing that so many of these um, attachments for me weren't really fulfilling, they were very temporary, they, they didn't bring me any sort of uh, real contentment, whether that was in the legal field, whether that was you know, the prestige of a job, which we grew up around in our communities, um, you know, have this job and what are people going to say? And, and you, know, you want to put yourself out there like this, so that people think this of you. And, and, and just as growing up, you know, within relationships that many people flock to or get themselves into um, without knowing, you know, why they're really getting into that. As I started to process these feelings, um, it tied in with so much of the lessons that I was learning from a Sikhi perspective through watching, you know, basics of Sikhi, through watching Nanakdam, through watching all these YouTube videos around Sikhi. And, you know, obviously, Don Guru Granth Sahib Ji, it's, you know, written in poetry. And, and Sikhi has always meant kind of poetry for me. It's always meant poetry and philosophy. And, and our gurus were poets, they were philosophers. Um, they were rebels, there were so much, there were kings, they were, they were just full of love and, and full of artistic expression. Um, and, and as I started healing and, and learning uh, my roots again, I just felt that, I felt that writing out poetry about Zikhi just helped me feel more connected to Zikhi myself. So sometimes, you know, in my journals that I have just, just written um, by hand, sometimes I'll just take some teachings from Sikhi or, or Bonnie and, and I'll just expand on it in my own words and, and write poetry about it myself. So it helps me build that connection and love and it helps me understand it from my own thoughts and experiences because we all have a personal relationship with the divine. And for me, a lot of that personal relationship gets strengthened through poetry. And I've not noticed a lot of your um, recent, more recent poetry is about uh, the farmer protests in India at the moment and all over the world, actually. But this issue is uh, based in India. And just briefly to summarise that, as of right now, up to 70% of India's population survive on farming. But as of recently, the Indian government have passed uh, three new bills, three new laws, uh, which have exploited farmers. The first being them taking away the minimum support price, which means that corporations can pretty much exploit farmers who are very poor already, but also just pay them like pennies here. Um, and the second being that farmers cannot take their disputes between themselves and uh, private corporations to court. And then the third being that private companies can store as much food products um, as they want, but obviously farmers can't store the food. So we see where the problem is because farmers are, you know, selling their crops in bulk for very little money, uh, even smaller than before. And even though farmers are being exploited, there's no way that they can go for support because they can't take their disputes to court. And as a result of that, farmers have taken their protests from Punjab to Delhi. Now, Delhi is 200, about 230 miles away from Punjab. So we have our elders um, 
cycling to Dili or going on tractors to Dili. Now, here that would take um, roughly about eight hours, but we all know what the traffic's like. It, the traffic is like in India. So let's say it takes them a day to get to Dili, but it's not that easy either because on the way to Dili, they were faced with tear gas. They've been sprayed with water. Um, bearing in mind that it is very cold in India at the moment. And a lot of the protesters, as I said, they're elderly, so they've been getting very sick. And unfortunately, some of them have passed away. Um, and as of recently, they've they've started to get beaten as well by the, the police officers that are there. And the mainstream media hasn't really covered anything about protests. I think recently uh, BBC had uh, published an article about it, so did Sky News. And I still feel like they haven't done justice to it. They really haven't spoken about it enough. And if we talk about the, the media in India itself, they are obviously portraying this in a very negative way, despite the protests being very peaceful. And there's not, you know, no one's really causing any problems other than what the police officers, the military there are, are doing themselves. And recently they've um, started to install internet jammers. So inst internet jammers are just uh, ways of stopping uh, people that are at these protests from using the internet and being able to publish videos, pictures or information on social media. And now we've seen this before. We've seen a social media blackout in, in 1984 and it's kind of mirroring all of that, which is horrible, not just for for us but for the elderly that are you know laying on the streets the cold streets of India trying to protest and and get the government to take these bills back and and not not enforce them as uh, as they are doing and I've noticed that you've been speaking a lot about how the media isn't covering this but also how influencers are not covering these problems as well um so why is it important for people to educate themselves on this issue um and for people with these large platforms to discuss to discuss these problems i think uh i think at the base of it is just the fact that you know the profession of farming is one that literally you know we all need um we all enjoy you know food we don't we don't grow our food ourselves you know for the most part um majority of the population i feel like I feel like there's such a lack of gratitude when we don't acknowledge where we get our sustenance from, where we get, you know, our food from, where we get what we need to survive on a daily basis. And we're just enjoying and consuming on the backs of people who are being taken advantage of. So that's, that's there for sure. Another thing is that when there's injustice, um, violence, and when there's a threat to democracy and peace, and people are being abused when they're peacefully protesting um, to look the other way, you know, whoever we are, um, whoever, whatever platform one has, whoever one is, you're perpetuating that. And we can see in history, the biggest travesties that have happened, the biggest tragedies that have happened, the biggest genocides that have happened, whether it's Hitler, whether it's, you know, whoever, these things happen when people don't stand up. And it's when people don't speak up against these things that are tyrants or bullies or whoever it is, whether it's on a micro level or, or on a macro level, um, they feel like they can get away with it. And, and this is why it's important for the news and, and for people, politicians and, and influencers, whoever, um, even if your platform is small or big, just to spread that message um, and to continue doing that, not just for this issue, but for so many issues, 
whether it's what's happening in Palestine, whether it's what's happening with um, the religious ban, you know, on hijabs, that's hap- that apparently is, it's happening in even more countries. Like whatever issue it is, when there's a threat to people just wanting to freely live, um, whether it's related to hunger, whether it's related to religion, whether it's related to anything where someone just wants to freely live when they're not hurting anyone, you know, then we should all stand up and speak up. And so much of the coverage that has happened is is biased and it doesn't cover the violence that's been happening. It doesn't cover the abuse that the protesters have been going through. And here uh, there's a news uh, channel um, agency um, who CBC, right? They have, um, they have a station in India, CBC India, but all that CBC here um, up until now, my knowledge now, what they reported on was the exact same report that CBC India did and CBC India, they, the Indian you know, news is so biased there against six. So they reported that when Justin Trudeau, our prime minister, spoke in support of uh, allowing protesters to peacefully protest without you know, being subject to violence, when mm-hmm. that happened, the Indian news, they accused um, our prime minister, Justin Trudeau, of legitimizing extremism. And they mm-hmm. said that the Canadian protesters who were, you know, um, literally just peacefully protesting um, outside the Indian consulate here, they said that we were extremists and mm-hmm. that, you know, we were threatening the livelihoods of those people working at the consulate. And that was coming from India. But what CBC here did, um, they just copied that report, right? They didn't say anything to report on the fact that we were peacefully protesting. They didn't do anything to counter that narrative. And they easily could have, um, because anyone here that's you know downtown, that's at these rallies, they can see that there's nothing but peaceful protests happening. And likewise, there's nothing but peaceful protests happening in, in India, where the protesters are even giving langar and food to the police. So I think it's important just to speak up just because of uh, you know all of those reasons. and. And because literally the people who don't speak up, they're they're putting, they're setting a precedent as well for our youth and for people growing up to, to not know what it means to be accountable ethically, spiritually, or as a person. We we I think you know would want a society where people don't have to think twice about doing the right thing, and we can all grow up and and be that guidance for young people to really know what it means to be ethical and responsible for their accountability, especially if they have big platforms and big voices, which obviously can dictate people's views and thoughts. Like what you were saying, we actually experienced something very similar. There's been a couple of rallies in the UK already, one in London and one in Birmingham. Now, at the one in Birmingham, there was an Indian reporter um, who was actually standing in the middle of the protest and reporting back on an Indian news channel um, saying that we were terrorists and extremists and uh, obviously the the news in India is very against Sikhs in general but this is just like um, adding to their fire essentially but how, how was the um, protest there? Because I assume it would be very, very similar, but obviously uh, it must have been bigger um, in in Toronto. Yeah, there's a huge, you know, um, Sikh population here, um, a big Punjabi community here. And uh, yeah, there, there, there were a lot of people. There were, you know, it felt like thousands and thousands 
at some rallies. Um, the energy was good. It was peaceful. It felt like the Nagarkirtan. It felt like there's so many people. Um, there, there's so many people holding signs. There's so many people, um, I, just, just in a state of, of unity, which is nice, right? Because um, considering the circumstances, obviously it's not ideal. You know why we have to protest, but despite that, it is bringing people together. We are, you know, all trying to make the best of the situation and find a silver lining, which is that we're growing stronger together. And regardless, you know. Um, of who's with us or who's supporting us we're all there together we're all uniting and eventually you know we will demand to be heard so when we stick together and I think we're starting to realize that when we stick together and we have this energy we have this drive we have this passion and we have this love for one another and especially for our warriors back home um, you know the elderly that are there riding their bikes for days just to join the protest the Bibion that are there on the front lines, um, the people that are you know willing to risk everything they have for future generations, and this is a common theme that's that's been um, there since the beginning of time in Sikhi. So many of our older generations, you know, only cared for our liberation, our enlightenment, our salvation, our spiritual journeys, and for them to pass on Sikhi to us and to pass on um, the ability for us to live, you know better lives than they did and that's something that's always been there so i think we start to realize that and it can be easy for so many of us growing up um to fight with our parents you know on that culture gap and not understand them but as we grow older we understand that they sacrifice so much and you know our older generations at home they're continuing to do that so it's bringing us together and i've seen protests now are, that are starting to be outside news um news buildings and news stations um, which is very good too. Um, there's protests happening outside CNN in the States. And maybe, you know, that's what we need to do more of as well. Um, in addition to the consulates, to protest anywhere where there are new stations and we're going to have to demand to be heard um, one way or the other. So I think it's, I think it's good in that sense. It, it really shows what the people um, and their voice, you know, leads to what are, uh, when we get together, what we can demand. Which is honestly nothing. Like it's it's crazy because, you know, as a just logically speaking, um, we shouldn't have to demand for justice, for fairness, for truth. You know, you would hope that these things would just be there, right? Out of common courtesy and respect for human beings, out of just decency. But that's not the state of the world right now. But I guess you know we have to make it that way slowly but surely. That's literally exactly what I was about to say. That the fact that people are. Having- still fight for basic rights is Mm -hmm. so weird and it you know we can only hope that in the future for the future generations they don't have to do what we are doing at the moment which is speaking about issues that we honestly shouldn't have to be speaking about right now and a lot of people that are not speaking about it should also be talking about it to to get rid of the problem to find some sort of solution but this feels like a very ongoing battle of just basic rights for a lot of Sikhs, a lot of Punjabis in India, and it's been happening for way too long. Like we shouldn't have to be continuing this battle the way that we are. But yeah, it does. It does make me respect, you know, everyone that is in India doing this. It's the largest human protest in the world right now. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it makes me. Um, very happy that our bond is as strong as this and it just shows that when we are together we're 
you know, a very, very, very strong community. Um, and I feel like that is how our banter should be. We should be standing with each other at all times. And I feel like if COVID wasn't around either, you know, you can only imagine how many more people would be involved in, in this cause of like going uh, to do protests in different countries and even in India itself, like they really are risking their lives to try and fight for their kids and their grandkids um, and the other generations to come. So um, yeah, people really do need to start talking about it uh, a lot more. And uh, I mean, you yourself have been speaking about it a lot, which is, um, it's nice. And a, a lot of people do appreciate that, especially when you've written a lot of poetry about it. And I think in one of your po uh, poems you wrote about Punjab being the breadbasket of India, which is interesting because it's it's also essentially the breadbasket of a lot of a lot of the world. A lot like I think we we are very lucky and very blessed to overlook a lot of it because you know we just see food on our plate, but you know rarely do you ever think about what where this food came from, who actually you know has put in the work to to get us this food and so that we can put it on our plate so this was kind of an eye-opener to to not only six but I, I hope a lot of other um, different uh, communities as well because this is an ongoing problem pharma suicide rates are just skyrocketing because of the doubt because uh, the amount of debt that they're in um, and the doubt that they'll be able to pay all of that debt back um, which is heartbreaking uh, that a lot of our elders have to go through that and they have as you said sacrificed so much for us you know le leading on from that and going back to what you said about philosophy um and bringing that into Sikhi as well so obviously as I said you you talk about a lot of Sikhi related topics in your poetry and a lot of it is to do with I mean correct me if I'm wrong right but uh, I believe that philosophy is um the study of reason the study of truth of like why we exist of value all of these things how, how do you link philosophy to Sikhi and and then even beyond that linking it to our reason uh, of why we're here because as of right now a lot of Sikhs uh, are fighting for basic rights for our people back home um so how can you link all three of them sort of together um and how did this um, outlook and this study of philosophy really help you as well? So one thing for sure is that Gurbani, there's so much, you know, logic and truth and reason to it. And, you know, it has that ability to kind of mentally, you know, smack you over the head and help you realize the, the faults that, you know, we all have, the, the errors that we all engage in, the, the mistakes that we do, and, and just the the ways in which you know we, we think we're more clever than we are um and just a way to be more grateful and to understand you know just as you were saying you know farmers in, in Punjab it's it's more than a bread basket for just India you're right and and for people to actually you know start being more grateful about these types of things Gurbani can do that and an example of that would be you know just yesterday um I saw a tweet that that had said doesn't it make you sick that other communities um, aren't really speaking up, you know, for what's happening. And I had replied that, you know, it doesn't, it's not, that, it doesn't make me sick. It makes me grateful that, you know, we're not like that, like that our Sikhi, because of Guru Nanak Dev Ji, that we're blessed to have um, 
a deeper understanding of what it means to be human, right? And so those little shifts in perspective, I think it helps so much with that, you know, philosophical understanding of Sikhi because it helps alter our consciousness. It helps alter our mindset where we're more, you know, grateful. We don't get stuck drowning ourselves in negative emotion and being mad or being angry um, at, you know, the external, at what things we can't control. Um, instead, it helps us invest internally and focus on gratitude, cultivate more empathy and cultivate more compassion within. And those shifts in, in, in understanding are, are so helpful because, yeah, we are human. We're going to feel, you know, angry or, or upset at times. But Sikhi helps us channel that in a more philosophical and deep way where we can channel that energy into change, into, um, into meaningful change rather than fixating upon um, lower emotions and, and vibrations where, you know, we can get stuck complaining or just venting without thinking of, okay, you know, I vented, now what do I do from this? Because um, it's easy to just get stuck in those cycles. So for sure, that's one aspect of, of how Sikhian philosophy helped me. Another is that, you know, before being blessed with that journey of Sikhi two years ago, um, when I had stopped drinking and, and just uh, became more immersed um, within Sikhi was even something um, that many of us don't think of, right? Which is something that we don't think of, which is tied in with philosophy to me, which was our gaze. Because I, with Kerpa, had started keeping my gaze before Sikhi, um, before I even started learning about Sikhi two years ago. Because for me, I think it came as a result of an inner healing journey and just being really philosophical with, um, with why I was reliant or um, in need of external validation, which, you know, we all can be. And whether it's through clothing, or whether it's through a job, whether it's through a title, whether it's through our appearance, whether it's through going to the gym and working on our body, whatever it is, if we're always reliant on external validation or compliments or prestige um, to feel good, then we're never going to, it's always going to be something that can be taken away. And we're always going to be in, in search and in need of more. So for me, when I started to realize that so much of who I was, um, well, when I started to realize that so much of my habits, whether it's drinking or, or just who I was becoming, um, was an escape from a lot of like, you know, childhood trauma and, and experiences that I hadn't healed from. It just really drove me to a journey of self-love from within. And that meant taking care of myself mentally, physically, and spiritually, but for myself. And when I started realizing that to only cut my hair or shave or, you know, was an external representation of who I was, that, and that was always reliant on and other people's perceptions, it stopped making sense to me why I would even want to do that to myself because the only reason we do it is because we've been taught that from a young age um, to conform and to change. Whereas, you know, if there's like hair on say your back or your shoulder, you know, you, you don't really think about taking care of that or you know, doing anything to that, but it's only what people can see you start to and, and you get self-conscious and it's, it's a, uh, it's an issue for everyone, right? Um, boys and girls growing up, whenever you get teased about something, whether it's hair, whether it's your nose, whether it's um, anything, ears, you know, like your clothing, whatever it is, 
you start becoming self-conscious about that and then you start trying to hide it you start trying to disguise it you start trying to um take you know take it away whatever it is so for me getting back into philosophy meant cultivating a deeper sense of just being so content and full of love for myself that i felt no reason to change um the divinity within me and it's it's a natural process right um care isn't something that you know you have to keep it's already there it's we change it and we and we go against nature but really there's no reason to to change it it's it's all in our head and and when i started just understanding this um it it helped me build that love for my hair and and then i started learning about in sikhi you know more about the sacrifices the resistance the the just the love for the divine that not even one of our ancestors and our shaheeds wanted to change that about themselves and and they wouldn't you know in the in the face of uh conversion or uh, violence they, they still held held on to their held on to their divinity they held on to their uh their mind you know their no one could take that away from them and i think that's really important um and another thing was just concepts such as you know ekko and god that one consciousness that one truth prior to sikhi i was really working on myself internally and learning about spirituality buddhism and and just starting to see the world as one energy and that led to me being vegetarian because i just felt that the energy i was consuming from factory farms you know from fast food restaurants this was negative energy of animals who were tortured abused and killed purely for our taste buds and to consume that energy was to consume pain and and suffering and when i started to see things as that one you know energy led to me being vegetarian and then as i was uh, you know with getpa i found myself you know vegetarian keeping my gaze and i had stopped drinking so at this point in time um that was when i was like you know maybe this is a sign maybe i should learn about sikhi and that's when i started uh going you know with getpa back to the godora um watching these videos on youtube about basics of sikhi and all of these things and that was when all of what i learned just through life was applicable through a philosophical context for me through concepts such as ekon god and selfless service and seva and, and all of these things that gaze they just it just fit for me it just like clicked like a, everything was like a piece of the puzzle for me do you feel as though sikhi helped you find that reason to exist you know despite there being so much not just like maya but also there's so many distractions um as you said like you um had an alcohol addiction and there was a lot of violence around you so do you think sikhi kind of took you away from that but also gave you self validation to know that you know in the future or like within your life you've actually found your reason um i mean with kirpa it, it, you know i i i owe all of that to to god but but a lot of that happened um like it, it wasn't that i i had stopped drinking or done x y or z for sikhi mm-hmm. so um it, it was just a part of my journey and i think what made that meaningful for me was that i was just focused on you know loving myself and and filling myself up with love um for myself so that i could be a better person not just for me but for the people around me and for the world at large and i was already invested in that journey and because i was so 
because I was so invested in that and it came from an authentic place and it came from a truthful place where I started to really grapple with, you know, the shadow side of my ego and to work on my own toxic tendencies, my own ways in which I could be, you know, not such a good influence or presence um, just for others. And because I wanted to be honest with myself and work on myself, um, I was so invested in that for years that, you know, with Kerpa, Sikhi came about as the kind of, you could say, like the final result of that because I had been investing in myself, whether, you know, going to the gym or learning about philosophy, um, yoga, meditation. And ultimately, Sikhi was that, was that thing that just brought all of that together. And it provided me with, with a truer and deeper understanding of, of why I was here. Because I'm, up until that point, I felt like, yeah, you know, my life wanted to be about service. It wanted to be about um, helping others, being a being a kind of role model for the younger me that I, you know, that I never had to, that I never got a chance to have. Um, so being my own childhood hero in a sense. But with Sikhi, it gave so much more to that. It kind of brought that all into context and helped me understand that I was just on a spiritual journey and that's the most important aspect and everything else comes secondary. As well as being a role model to yourself, um, you mentioned before how you were helping young kids in like Godware um, and talking to them about you know situations that they had faced and and almost mentoring them and helping them out in those in those uh, situations. So t- tell us more about that. Like what what it is that you do and and maybe the types of issues that kids will bring forward to you and and your response to that. Sure. So a lot of that, um, you know, it's it was weekly prior to COVID. Um, it was weekly, weekly sangat where I just created, um, you know, along with um, an older brother of mine who who has been doing more of an uncle has been doing uh, the class for decades actually. Um, so with Gerpa, it was just about creating a more open and safe space for young students, um, young kids to open up express themselves, whether it's through a notebook that's anonymous, whether it's through just sharing and, and voicing their concerns, anything to do with, sometimes, you know, we split, split up the kids from the parents. So anything to do with issues at home, anything to do with school, anything to do with bullying, anything to do with being teased, um, literally just anything that they wanted to express um, could be, you know, suffering from drinking or, or friends that they felt were bad influences and, and how to how to really just work on ways to overcome that, to feel better, to find resources, to have people come speak with them at home, or for me to just pay forward my lessons that I learned that helped me. And it was really just the way of giving back to the community because growing up, there weren't many people, not many at all, actually just that one uncle G that I just referred to who really at the Godura spoke about Sikhi in English. And, and it was a way to just foster that connection between the youth who who don't have those roots yet you know with Sikhi with uh, um, with understanding Arbani and to be able to create that space for them first so that they actually feel that you know that they're they're able to express themselves and to feel understood especially at the good otherwise you know they're kind of just sitting there not really understanding what the purpose of it is and and so it was a way to, to gain just a stronger sense of Sangat. And as a result of that, 
um, it led to, you know, parents reaching out and, and just uh, through word of mouth, just people wanting to just learn more from Uncle G and me about our lessons and doing workshops about mental health, about substance abuse, about parenting, about psychology, um, and working a lot, you know, with the subconscious mind of, of how to how to change ourselves for the better. I was um, going to add to that as well. Um, so, you know, you've been speaking to children about, um, would you say children or like what sort of age range do you reckon that? Uh, it's, so the age, it, it's children from the age of even five, six sometimes, you know, to okay. all the way up until adults uh, in their 30s and 40s. Oh, wow. So they will bring a vast majority of like uh, like different uh, problems or issues that they face but I can imagine a lot of them are to do with uh, as you said before like our identity in Sikhi and a lot of it too would be to do with bullying but mm-hmm. especially now I feel like a lot of kids are being more exposed to worldly issues um, like the the farmer protests and you know starting to learn more about 1984 as things start to come out a lot more because now we have platforms like Instagram to talk to to people about because a lot of like sick families are very silent on what happened in 1984 and that's probably out of fear of you know talking about something that could get you in a lot of trouble but also bringing up a past that is very difficult to talk about for a lot of our elders so you know if if a child was to come to you and and express how difficult it is for them right now to to keep their sicky because they're they're scared about what is happening in the world and how people are, are looking at them and perceiving them to you know as 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 terrorists or extremists what would be your advice because I feel like that's a, that's something that a lot of kids are are experiencing now within their schools or but you know just reading about it and and seeing that the media is portraying them a certain way because you know even in my last podcast I spoke about how the way the media talks about um the kind of stereotypical man and woman is very different to how uh Sikhi is in, in the sense of guess itself you know w- women should <laughs> women shouldn't be hairy but it, it makes it very different uh, difficult for girls and and I think men you know deal with that issue as well so how, how would like what would your advice be to a child who is struggling to keep their sicky because of what media is telling them and because what they're reading online or because of you know what their peers are saying to them yeah for sure that that is definitely a challenge um for many of us and you know um in our society for sure there's it's so much harder right for women to uh, have that relationship with gays just because of how conditioned we are to view femininity and masculinity and and it being looked like it just being so normalized right within the media for women not to have hair on their arms for example even during like movies um, or tv shows where there's like a zombie apocalypse but even then right the women that are portrayed in something like that they still have hairless arms Um, and it's little things like that that just program us to normalize our perception of what masculine and feminine is um but really all these things what they do um men face it too on a, on a lesser level but they still face it but what these things do is they just take away our power and our sovereignty and they allow us to kind of you know be puppets for media for corporations for companies like gillette for 
the profit of other people. And, and when you give away our attention or our power or our autonomy um, to the world, we, we give away a part of ourselves, a part of our divine, you know, understanding of who we are. And it's, it's hard to reclaim that back. Um, the moment you start giving in to Maya and the world is the moment you start losing everything that makes us, us and from a, like a spiritual level. And it gets harder to get back on that spiritual journey to the, to the deepest of levels because, because everything that our ancestors and Shahid had sacrificed for us, it wasn't in a way to you know, make us feel guilty, right? Like, oh, the people did this for you. Why aren't you doing this? No, it was a way for them to help us understand that the most powerful and divine thing we have is our connection to our, uh, our Guru and to God. And to keep that means that we can't give in right to to the world to to maya to people who use greed and, and the thirst for power to take away from us and I, I would definitely recommend reading up on our history reading up and watching videos um on basics of sikhi um on non-ignam of, of why our identity why our case is so meaningful and and challenges and stories of you know what helped people overcome those challenges and what helped people overcome any sort of doubt or insecurity because we all have insecurities we all have doubts um, at certain points in our life and and everyone literally you know everyone it's part of life to to feel self-conscious or insecure about different things but really the only thing that will take care of that is nam and, and love from within for ourselves and if we don't work on that and if we don't do that now all we end up doing is is again losing a part of ourselves that becomes hard to find after and it puts us on a trajectory of life where where you end up just becoming someone that you're not going to be happy with and i can attest to that because for 19 years i literally felt looking back that that wasn't ever really me you know um i, I it feels like you know with Gerpa, i found my way back to who i was but it kind of feels like when you do give in and when you do shy away from who you are as a natural divine person, and, and that includes our case, when you shy away from that, you allow others to change the trajectory of your life. Um, and you allow others to take you away from hukum and, and from the natural course of how our, our divine journey should be. And that's a challenge we all have to take on uh, because it's a part of life and it's a part of life to to you know overcome challenges because god gives uh his or her hardest challenges and tests to their strongest warriors so for sure um i think youth and kids and just anyone should know that there are going to be challenges but whatever doesn't kill us you know makes us stronger and a part of sikhi is to take our pain our challenges our experiences and find that silver lining and remain in charge with love and make the best of it i agree sometimes you have to unlearn what you've learned to progress and and a lot of that can come from unlearning the bad and learning the good you know knowledge is definitely something that helps build anyone and a knowledge about where you've come from and not only you but like your ancestors um our, our guru sahibs learning all of that uh, definitely makes us stronger and and now when we're perceived as terrorists or extremists like this is where we need that strength the most so 
I mentioned that I was away from, you know, Sikhi and the Gurdwara for a long time, from the moment I, I cut my hair to about two years ago. But actually in between that time, for a year, when I was 16 years old, um, mm. my mom, she took me to the Gurdwara, um, to not, not the closest Gurdwara near us. She actually mm. took us to the Gurdwara that I was gifted, you know, um, these past two years to, to help Sangit with, with those classes. And that was the first time I, I learned about Sikhi from again, Uncle Ji, um, who was teaching that class. And I went there for a year, um, every week on Fridays. And after that year, um, I stopped, right. Um, I kind of, I kind of, uh, got myself into trouble. So I wasn't, uh, my mom basically was like, okay, you have to come with me every week. So I did that. And, with, with Kerpa, I was doing a lot of seva, and, and that's when I started to you know, do Simran at the Gurdara. And it was re- very powerful. But after that year, um, and when I got into uni, so now I was 17, um, Maya came back, right? The drinking came back, the, the pull towards these friendships and toxic relationships and, and all these things came back. And, and I was actually growing my hair at that point. I don't know why, like I had no reason you know, in, in a way to know the, the meaning, the significance behind it. I just felt like it was so peaceful and powerful being in that state. But I, I, I didn't have the deeper understanding, right, philosophically and spiritually of what Sikhi meant. Um, the, the class, Uncle Ji did a great job, right, of, of what he could, but it didn't register for me because I'm, I'm really someone that needs to understand something deeply before it clicks and before I, uh, I apply it to my life. And so for me, the, the Maya came back and two years ago uh, with Kerpa, I went back to that class and that was when I found out more about, you know, small gums and advanced and, and and just sick organizations that helped everything come full circle today. But the point I want to make is that we're all going to have ups and downs, whether in life or whether it's through Sikhi. And we all are going to fall off, whether that's, you know, before Sikhi, during Sikhi, um, whether that's when you're blessed with Amrit, whether that's after, I know that it's so common for so many of us to think, you know, I only want to be blessed with Amrit when, you know, I know that, you know, I'm just so full of that discipline and full of that, um, that act that I don't want to, you know, make a mistake. And I think that's, I don't think that's, um, you know, it could could be the case for a few people, but I don't think that's realistic. I think it's okay to accept that we're all going to make mistakes, that whatever, wherever we are on our journey, it's okay to stumble, but it's about coming back stronger. And that's always been a, an aspect of Sikhi. And we shouldn't forget that then Guru Gobind Singh Ji forgave the Chali Mukte, you know, and that he forgave, that he was forgiving, that our Guru is forgiving, and that it's okay to struggle. And what we really need to do is find ways to come together as Sangat and grow stronger and forgive each other and unite. And as we can see now, there's so much going on in the world that is only making us show people who we are as six and show people that we are providing longer in the face of, you know, police attacking us. We are uniting across, you know, places like I didn't even know that there was big sick communities in, in places like Venice or Switzerland or Germany, you know, um, so many places around the world where people are coming together. So, again, you know, let, let's let's leave behind the doubt and and the 
and the separation and, and the, the feeling that we're not good enough. And let's just work on ourselves in any way we can and take those steps to, to join together and connect with Guruji because that's the only thing that really matters. And, and just as I alluded to earlier, the Maya that kept me away from it, all of that too was from the age of 18 onwards, another, right, 10, 11 years of a lack of fulfillment when I could have had a much more fulfilling, easier life back then. But I'm glad everything came full circle and I'm able to now use those experiences in a way to help myself and help others. But it could have saved a lot of pain and trauma as well. So I just want people to uh, maybe just remind people of how loving, how blissful, how peaceful Sikhi is and how how our guru can help us and to uh, to just embrace the fact that struggle is a part of it and it will only make us stronger definitely this this life itself is filled with so many hardships you can't pressure yourself so much um when it comes to sikki sikki should be something that's so easy to to gain and to retrieve but also to find um and the second we start saying you know you can't mess up you can't do this you can't do that it's very difficult for the younger generation uh, i'm talking about kids here because kids are the one that absorb like the most amount of energy and the second you start you know introducing them to things that they can't do um kids don't like that they'll they'll end up backing off or taking a back seat slightly so yeah mm-hmm. it is I, I appreciate what you said in in the sense of like knowing that Guru Sahib is forgiving um and that you will mess up you could mess up but as long as you you bounce back uh that's that's the main thing for sure I agree um completely that's that's one thing that and holds off many youth and kids is is that feeling of stigma and shame of not being good enough and and that's something you know hopefully we're working together as a bunch to overcome um so thank you for joining me um we discussed quite a lot there and i'm hoping that you know a lot of people take on board um the things that you said um and as always um if we have said anything wrong please do forgive us we are always uh, constantly learning um but just one while just in case anyone doesn't know where they can find you please let them know about your instagram and what it is that you do as well as your book Sure. So my Instagram is justgunwal.singh. Um, that's J-A-S-K-A-N-W-A-L dot Singh. And on Twitter, it's justgunwalsingh underscore. Um, and what I do is, uh, in addition to writing, um, I published a book, which I alluded to earlier. Um, I'm, I'm continuing to write books. I am studying for my bar exams. I'm hoping to use my legal education and my law degree Um in tandem with my passion for social justice and advocacy and Sikhi to, to serve the bond to implement policy change, whether through education or through um, fighting against bills that um, ban you know, religious symbols, which, is, which has happened here in addition to France, um, which includes the, the turban, the hijab, and, and you know, using just my, my passion and my advocacy for those things. I also work uh, with youth and adults um, with mental health workshops, substance abuse prevention, and uh, just spiritual wellness to provide just advice and lessons that have helped me just to pay that forward. So really what I do is uh, anything I can within my power to to serve, whether from a legal perspective, from my writing, from books, or just from workshops dealing with the issues that I've faced.